was thinking for the uh, intro, we'll just do uh, Mastered MMA. Mastered <laughs> MMA. Mastered MMA. Mastered MMA. Yeah. And that'd be it. You should have just done that. <laughs> if I wanted. Alright, what's going on everyone? Welcome to another episode of Mastered MMA. Merry Christmas as well. I hope it all went well for you, given the circumstances. Uh, we're here to talk about all things UFC, and obviously we've got no cards going on at the moment. UFC we're having a well-deserved break, but as it is the end of the year, it is Christmas time. It's nice to have a little look back at the year that has just gone, and be thankful for everything that we've been given. So, my name is Joe, thank you for joining us. I'm joined by Matt via Skype. How are you doing, Matthew? Merry Christmas to you, Joe. Merry How are Christmas. you? All good, thank Merry you. Merry bet- yeah. betwixtmas, I That's think it's it. called. It's that little time um, in between, isn't it? That weird week. I, I'm, I'm all right, man. I'm the same as you. I had a very nice Christmas. I think we were saying before, like, there was such little expectation this year. Everyone thought it would be a damp squib. Yeah. Uh, but as it is, as it turned out, it was a uh, very delightful. A few Zoom present openings going on in the morning. Oh, really? A delightful dinner with my mum and dad. So, yeah, all good here, and I am very, very thankful. <laughs> good, good. It's always good to be thankful. That is what the uh, Christmas time is about as well. I don't know if you saw the Queen's speech. She obviously reminded us of that. The journey through to Bethlehem and whatnot. Oh, Queensy. Queensy yeah. girl. Bit, it's a bit weird, to be honest, but that's a, that's a different conversation. Uh, before we get a crack in, obviously, we are going to look back. We've got some best fights, best fighters, personal favourites, bits of beef going on here and there. We've got a little bit of news, so let's get stuck right into that. Welcome to the news. So, as we say, a bit of a quiet time at the moment, but we've had a couple of fight announcements. Obviously, one you just mentioned was uh, Mike Jackson against Barry from EastEnders. Uh, that's been announced. Other than that, we have got some proper fights going on. And the first one, Michael Chandler made his way over to the USC at some point this year. And it's difficult to remember where that was, uh, given everything that's gone on. But Michael Chandler turned up and he hasn't really had a fight yet. He was looking for that Khabib fight, obviously, as you would. You want, you want to take the big one, but it wasn't. It wasn't. Wasn't to be. And it turns out he's got, um, dare I say, an opponent that he probably wasn't hankering after too much, and that is Dan Hooker, personal favourite of ours here at Mustard MMA. Always in an exciting fights, absolute animal. And um, like, yeah, like I say, not the top top name that Michael Chandler was probably hoping for, but definitely a, a very tough test first up. Absolutely. I think we were a bit sort of peeved that he was going straight after the top dog. We felt he needed to prove himself a little. Obviously, he's got like a fantastic back catalogue of wins and championship level fights in in his record. But as primarily USC fans, we're thinking, hang on a minute, let's just see what he's what he's like against some of these top five guys before going for the title. And Dan Hooker's one of those. If you could get past him, who's a tough bastard in himself, Dan (laughs) Hooker, he obviously took Poirier right to the wire. Then he's uh, he's earned his call to get a title shot after because obviously it's packed full of talent at the minute. A uh, bit of a it seems like there's a way in at the top of the minute. What with Gaethje, Connor, and Poirier all losing to Khabib, it seems like there's a way in for a hooker or uh, even an RDA, and in this case maybe perhaps Chandler. So yeah, great fight for him. Yeah, it's a good one. I haven't quite got a date on that one, so I do apologise, but I believe that's Jan Feb time. One that is looking to be done in March. 
Uh, it's light heavyweight. Uh, uh, Israel Adesanya stepping up against Jan Blakovic. This is now pretty much official, I do believe. That's going to be in March. And uh, we, we were wondering what was going to happen here because obviously Glover Teixeira had a, a fantastic year and put his name right in the mix. And with everything that's, you know, when you consider his age and things like that, you thought maybe maybe Glover would get that shot. But I think as it was, the wheels had been kind of set in motion a little bit for Adesanya to step up to light heavyweight. And it does kind of make sense. He's... He hasn't, he hasn't completely cleared out the middleweight division, but there's probably, um, you know, some bods in there. They've got to get a, cup, a win or two more before they can deserve that title and to kind of separate themselves from the pack. Uh, so as it is, Jan Blakovic up against Adesanya. Uh, I've got, I got no problems with it. Sometimes you see people stepping up and maybe it's a bit early and, and things like that. I'm not too sure that's the case here. I'm excited to see it. Lots of questions in there when you look at Adesanya. He's a big lad. He's very tall. He's got good reach, but he's not that heavy. And to be honest, I'm not sure if he even will get that heavy against Jan, who is just pure Polish power. Uh, I would fancy, I guess, Adesanya is going to be quite well favoured in this. But yeah, I got, I got, I got a little sneaky suspicion about Jan. I think he's a, he's a, he's a big lad and he's got lots of power. So it's, uh, it's interesting to see how that's going to go down. He's a bit of an old lad as well, so obviously that's in his favour as well. Of big Jan. Yeah. I've, I've got no problems with it either, Joe. I think it's he, he's beaten anyone who was in line yeah, I think for so. a shot. He, he's not sort of giving anyone disservice. You're looking at people like Darren Till who have lost a couple who might need to get a couple in, over the next year before even earning a shot. Same goes for Vittori and Hermans and all the others in there. With regards to Jan, I think he's happy he's coming up. He, he wants a big name, the biggest name possible. He's at the back end of his career. He wants these big fights, these big pay-per-views. And I'm like you, I think he gets written off too much and has done over the last couple of fights, hasn't he? Yeah, yes. He um, against Rockhold and Reyes, and what's to stop him doing it against Adesanya? He's a big old lad, and he could get it done. Exactly. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing it as well. Like, I like Adesanya. I've got nothing, nothing against him, but I like we, we like an old lad here, and I do find Jan Blakovic quite endearing, so I would like to see him get a win there. And then, uh, I mean, again, we're going to mention it again. We mention it every week. It's on, it's off, it's on, it's off. Apparently it's off again now. Uh, just a little disclaimer, the last time we said this was off, literally like two hours after recording, it was confirmed that it wasn't off. So we may be completely wrong again, but apparently Hamza is out of his fight against Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards, is nothing is going his way at the moment. He just can't catch a break. So that's disappointing. That is very disappointing. But as I say, unconfirmed at the moment. Yeah, it's just, that's just long, isn't it, really? <laughs> it is. Because we, we, we can hop on about he's jumping the queue, or he should be fighting him, he should be fighting him, whatever, and all that game. But we everyone was pumped for that one. I don't care what you say. And it's, it's such a perfect matchup for, for both of them, really. And it's a very disappointing uh, situation to be in for it to be called off yet again. You can't think it'll get made a third time after this because Edwards has got to move on at some point. Obviously, it's undisclosed that she may have reason for withdrawing. So... Who knows what that could be? That could be uh, any range of things. So hopefully Edwards gets his fight, whether it's Chimiev or somebody else, right at the top of the ladder. No, I agree. And it's it's funny, actually, because Darren Stewart, the dentist, he came out this week. He's, made, he's uh, trained with Hamzat before. And he um, he had some good things to say. I think he said Hamzat got him like in a headlock. And he's so strong that he popped one of his teeth out. Something like that. So he said Hamzat is a complete animal. So... That kind of built it up for me a little bit, and then literally same day it's announced that he's out. So we'll have to wait and see. But other than that, that is the news. We'll get stuck into the nitty gritty. <laughs>
All right, Matthew. So the year that was 2020 is now coming to a close. It is a year that will go down in history for many a reason, but we're only here to talk about the UFC side. And can you guess what the first card of 2020 was for the UFC? Hmm. Cast your mind back. I'm casting. I'm casting. <laughs> uh, it was a long old time ago, Joe. It was. I think I know the answer, but would you care to divulge? It was Conor McGregor against Cowboy, January the 18th. First card, it was a big one, pay-per-view. Con. I mean, it feels like longer than a year ago, let me tell you. It definitely does, doesn't it? It feels like a lifetime ago, but... I mean, pretty good start to the year, really. That was that main event wasn't quite as competitive as we thought, but certainly a lot of uh, a lot of hype around it and an interesting finish, and we've had plenty of them. But I think the first first topic we should get into, get stuck into. I mean, we discussed it before. We're not really going to rank these and give official awards. It's kind of subjective anyway, and it's kind of pointless. We haven't got an actual trophy to give out, and we haven't got any of their addresses, so we can't send it to them anyway. <laughs> so. We're just gonna we're just gonna have a little chat, I think. Have a little chat about them, and I'd like to start with best fights. Uh, now I'll go I'll go first if you don't mind. It's uh, like I say, just just one of my favourites. It, it, it could be right up there. It was a good fight. February twenty third. Dan Hooker. We just mentioned him up against Paul Felder. Dan Hooker got the win there. That was just a cracking fight early on in the year. We just mentioned everything about Dan Hooker being a bit of a savage, and uh, picked up a cracking win there against Paul Felder. Yeah, I mean, it's just so weird going back, uh, looking at all these records of events and thinking, was that really this year? I know. It's, it's unbelievable looking back. So much has happened since then. Had fans Both, in the but, yeah, in the yeah, fans. It had woos. God knows what else. I mean, the fight. Both fighters have moved on so much, and so much has happened to yeah. both of them. In that short space of time, it almost feels like a different era. Pre- pretty much retired and come back out of retirement since then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, yeah, it's it's just it's just crazy. What a whirlwind year! I mean, it's just like I say, it seems like a complete lifetime ago. But that fight in particular was absolutely as down in New Zealand. Am I right in saying that one? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, that was just brutal. When it's typical yes. Felder, tip, plus typical Hooker equals just violence like that. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. For us fans to watch, it's just always a pleasure. Obviously, for them, it's a bit more of a task in affair. But that's why we love them too. Um, that's why we're glad to see Hooker get such a big opportunity. But that fight was just violence, wasn't it? Yeah, big time. That. Another one that was violence, not too long after, a couple of weeks later, we had uh, Weili Zhang against Joanna Yudzadzajacek. <laughs> Obviously, this is, um, it's got a lot of hype around it, but I would say probably quite rightly so. Lots of people saying this is like the best female fight you've ever seen. And it's probably difficult to argue with that, wouldn't it? I am... Um, I actually fancied Weili Zhang quite heavily in this one. So I was quite impressed by Joanna's Yo- ability to, to stick in there and go the distance kind of after some maybe uh, not so great couple of years, I would say, for Joanna. You look, look like Weili Zhang was, you know, the next best thing. And as she she won, so, so, so she could very well still be. But yeah, this was a great fight. And it's... It, it always helps, I think, the, the female divisions because they do still have their detractors you know, regardless, and I think you put this one up in front of any fight fan, and uh, you know, there's 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 no way they can not enjoy that. Yeah, this is the one that seems to have picked up all the awards, isn't it? The fight of the year. Yes. It was the last true one before all fans were. I believe it. Barred was, yeah, from entry, yeah. and it was as I said, quite tough to watch at times. I mean, there's a lot 
like you say, of detractors for women's MMA. And I think a lot of those detractors will sort of turn their nose up at watching something like this in women in such a violent fight. Might be an old school view of people, mm. uh, but nonetheless, it is still a view that's still out there. Unfortunately, I myself, I thought it was a, a very, very entertaining fight. Very technical, violent, just pure guts and will from from both ladies. Joanna's head at the end was probably a little bit tough to watch. Though. <laughs> it was a bit. It did swell in about about treble its size yeah. but and and you look at that for like Joanna and at the time your heart just sinks right it's like you've gone through all that you've literally put everything on the line just to come up short uh, it must be absolutely gutting we've not seen either come back from that no I don't believe so obviously it's taken its toll uh, I can't wait to see both come back hopefully you'd think a rematch could actually be on the cards as well because there's a lot going on in the women's divisions but there's no standout contender at the minute Rose you don't think really wants a shot at the title that, yeah that's the one isn't it Rose yeah but if, if she doesn't want a shot at the yeah. title who's there I mean Joanna's always after it she don't care she just wants to get in there and get that goal back by hook or by crook so but uh, excellent uh, selection there Joe can All I right. can I throw one out there yeah go on because I think that's pretty much pre uh, pre lockdown I think, I think well, that's I've got another pre lockdown one I think it's more more so than it being a a classic. I think the John Jones Dominic Reyes fight I thought was just yes. desperately intriguing. Desperately <laughs> intriguing to watch. I just thought it was just just another classic John Jones fallout breaking every round down. How's he won this one? He won this round, he lost this round. It seems to happen a lot with the John Jones fights of late. And at the time, and I still believe it, I think Reyes probably did get screwed a little bit there. But nonetheless it was a fantastic fight at the time. Yeah, another great shot, and uh, obviously th- that division, those two men have moved on almost uh, immeasurably since then as well. Obviously, John Jones is in a completely different division. Uh, Reyes has had another go and, and come up short again, so yeah, that's a bit mad to think back to then. I think uh, I've got some post-lockdown, if you want to move on to those. I mean, we've got, I think this was, I think this might have been the first one, the first card back, and it was a big one, Tony Ferguson up against Justin Gaethje. And I'll tell you what else was also on this card. Henry Cejudo beat Dom Cruz on this card in, in the co-main event, which like, it boggles my mind that this was, what, seven, seven, seven months? Well, in that year. possibly that, but seven months ago that happened. And uh, yeah, that just seems mad. But the main event was Tony Ferguson up against Justin Gaethje. And I've been trying to think back to what my impressions were before this fight. I think I, I, think I probably picked Gaethje to win, but... I mean, this this is this is kind of this is the start of Tony Ferguson's most recent run. This got Justin Gaethje a title shot. It really convinced a lot of us that he was going to go on and um, beat Khabib. Really, didn't it? I don't know why. Looking at it, because Tony didn't try to take him down once. I don't think so. Why we thought that was any indicator for how he would do against Khabib, I'm not sure. But as far as best fights go, Ferguson against Gaethje, and just the manner, the manner in which Gaethje kind of you know, dispatched of Tony Ferguson really was quite outstanding. Yeah, I think at the time, like, it's easy, it was, it's hard to look back at Tony Ferguson in the same light as we see him now, seven months ago. At the time, he was obviously on this tremendous run. He was going to fight Khabib. He was the man to beat Khabib. And then Gaethje goes and does that to him over four to five rounds. He did, not without getting dropped himself, Gaethje. He, yeah. he did get hurt towards the end of one of them rounds, if my memory serves. But just to put the relentless pressure on Ferguson like he did and just 
at the time, it did make us sit up and think, hold on, this might be the true dethroner yeah, of Khabib. And we thought, oh, he's got a perfect style. He's shown that he's got a gas tank, which he hadn't shown before. And then we were all convinced that he was the man to beat Khabib. So yeah. um, we were proved wrong, obviously, eventually further down the line in the year. But yeah, at the time, I remember actually just staying up for this fight. I, I, it was obviously the first fight we'd had in two months. So I and the card was stacked. I, I had my coffee at the ready and I, I stayed up throughout the whole night watching this one. And, and I was entertained right to the right to the death. It was it was an excellent performance by Gaethje. You had me hooked throughout that fight. You know when you stay up for these fights and you're struggling, you're like, please just end yeah. this fight. I can't I can't go to bed. Uh, I weren't with this event. It was such a fantastic event they put on, and, and Gaethje just put the icing on the cake. Fantastic performance. Agreed. And we've had some pretty big names in this list so far. I've dug out a little one. I mean, you may not even remember it, but this was a uh, fantastic one. And this was Josh Emmett beat Shane Burgos. Unanimous decision back in June 20th. Just an absolute war this was. I mean, I don't know if you do remember, Emmett had the upper hand, landing the more convincing shots, but Shane Burgos just would not go away. And he just took a bit of a beating that night, to be honest. But that was a fantastic fight, and it's a bit of a lesser name. And it's difficult, isn't it? Like, how many... We had a look. There's been 40 cards this year. You're looking at at least 10 fights on each card. How many good cards, fights have there been on the prelims and early prelims that... You know, they're just lesser names and you can't remember them. So there's there's plenty out there. But Josh Emmett against Shane Burgos was a another highlight for me. Kind of away from the, the glamour, if you like. Yeah, those are the ones that go under the radar. I did forget about it until you just mentioned it. Um, now now you have. It's, it's all coming back to me, <laughs> Joe. And it was a fantastic fight. Yeah, there's too many to choose from. Yeah. That's why, like your point at the beginning of the, of the segment, you did mention that it's almost a little bit pointless because it's subjective. And... You know, there's tens of fights that have just got missed completely. That are probably better fights that, that yeah. make the shortlist in these so-called awards. So uh, it's nice to see a little bit of a little bit of love shone on on Emmett and Burgos there because they do leave a lot on the line when they fight, and it's nice to get some recognition, even if it is from a lowly <laughs> little podcast like us. Yeah, well, it all counts, doesn't it? Of course, it counts. See you another one in that vein. From not that long ago, actually, Brandon Royval versus Kai Kara France. Yes, just seven or eight minutes of just pure whirlwind, spinning elbows. You get dropped, I get dropped. You you attack off your back. You triangle me. Blah blah blah. Plenty going on. Just we'll, we'll probably get into it a little bit later as well. But just a, an excellent advert as we keep harping on about the flyweight division. And this was just. Uh, just, just a perfect advert for them. It was just an excellent fight and put Brandon Royval on the map for me. Exactly, Brandon Royval has had quite a good year, and it obviously culminated him with him getting a number one contender shot. And another one that I'd noted down, you know, it, it didn't end up going his his way in the end. It was the battle of the Brandons, and it was Brandon Moreno who got the TKO victory over Royval in that first round. And even that, it was a little bit back and forth. Um, uh, and in the end, Moreno got it done. But I thought that was just an outstanding fight. Obviously, it only went in the one round, but you get quite a lot out of that where the flyweights are concerned. So, yeah, that was a big one. It was a good year for Brandon Royval overall, really, because he's, you know, he's top three in the world in that division and will get plenty more opportunities, I'm sure. But, yeah, slightly overshadowed by his counterpart, Brandon Moreno, in an excellent one there. Well, now we're on the subject. We can't we can't put it off any longer. Defig. Yes. Versus Moreno. That's it. Yeah, that was literally next to my list. It, it's, we've got to talk about it. Obviously, lots of recency bias 
it was the last great one, so it's the greatest of the year. But I think it is. I For me, this is, is the yeah. fight of the year. This is the fight of the year, I think, it depends how what your criteria is. So, for me, I think you've got to have... Obviously, I think it's got to be back and forth. Tick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the commentary team plays a big part in it. And I think they were on fire that day as well. Obviously, there's nothing to do with the two fighters in there. But it adds to the, the excitement of the viewer of yeah. the moment. Yeah. They were all over it. DC, Rogan, Anik, it really added to it. The fact, the backstory, both fought in the last pay-per-view, just showed sort of more credentials to them being warriors and how how good the flyweights are. And the fact it ended in a draw for a title, just just perfect for me. Yeah, I agree. I, I think you're right. You do get recency bias, uh, don't you? But I've been through the list of every USC event this year just to try and jog my memory. And I don't think you will find a better fight than this, honestly. I think I think it was fantastic. Obviously, Moreno over that win after that win against Roy Val getting a shot. And I mean, yeah, you got you got rematches galore coming out of this one with the draw. So that was fantastic. Again, we mentioned it plenty of times, but that flyweight division is looking looking superb at the moment, headed by D Fig, who is obviously well, arguably or easily a contender for fighter of the year as well on his own. Um, but he had a he had a fantastic dance partner in Brandon Moreno there, so that one was absolutely superb. And that was of course towards the end of the year. I'd just like to rewind a little bit back, Matthew. Go back to June. You remember June? It was nice and warm outside. It was. It, it was. was. And it's uh, Baltic at the moment. But another man, he's already got two shout-outs this, uh, on this episode. Dan Hooker was beaten by Dustin Poirier. Unanimous decision on June the 27th of this year. And I mean, like I said, you don't get a bad Hooker fight. You don't really get a bad Poirier fight either. And he kind of... Um, yeah, and did he get a title shot after this one? No, I think this was coming off. Coming off. Having lost. And then obviously he's got the Connor fight off the back of this one. So yep. quite similar, really. So, yeah, Poirier against Dan Hooker, just, just outstanding again. Yeah, I mean, you can... There's only so many, so much kudos you can give Dan Hooker and Poirier for the the yeah. amount of times they put their body on the line. It was... Uh, it's just a crazy fight, that was. Just like you say, just typical of the both of them. And again, us fans are just the ones who... who get the reward from it we get to watch these fantastic fighters fight each time and put it on the line dan hooker man I, i'm hoping he he can finally get some credit from perhaps the non-hardcore fans because he deserves it so he, he needs that one of them big fights i think because he's just such an entertaining fight he puts it on the line so looking forward to seeing him back because like you say i forgot about that one joe unbelievably so um but yeah so long ago that's that's my excuse can't remember what I had for breakfast there, though, then. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, um, I don't know, is this to be expected? I haven't really got any, I mean, we've been through those there. You've got lightweights, um, you've got, uh, what have you got, flyweights, I think you've got some featherweights. So maybe this is a sign of the of the sport in general, but there aren't many heavyweights in here, but one I thought I'd throw in for the for the best fight, and I was, I was, I'm in an hour, and I don't know if this should go in my personal favourite category. Or if it is justified in best fights. I've gone for the best fights. And I think this one is justified. And it was Stipe Miocic. Big Daniel Cormier. In the rematch. Unanimous decision this one. August 15th this was. And I think this is one of those ones where it really showed what Stipe is about. I think. When you factor in everything, everything he does. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a fireman at the same time. And he still finds time to come in and. 
you know, unlock that puzzle of, of DC. He's beaten people. He's beaten Francis. You know, he's beaten Overeem. He's beaten DC a couple of times. And I think this was just an outstanding fight. It went the full five rounds, which again is kind of different. He obviously finished uh, Cormier before, having been finished by him. So slightly different. Went the full five rounds and put on a little bit of a clinic, I would say. So I think, like we say, a lot of these best fights, you don't really get heavyweight fights thrown in. That's kind of not the nature of that division. How, how often do you see five five round back and forth wars in the in the heavyweight division? Not too often, but Steve Miocic, I'll shout him out whenever I can. So uh, that was that was a fantastic victory over DC there. Yeah, I thought it was a great fight. Fantastic fight uh, to end a fantastic trilogy. It just showed you his worth. He is that good. Yeah, beating DC twice like exactly. that is no mean feat and I don't care what you say about DC being 40 or whatever it doesn't matter he's still world class and one of the best heavyweights of all time let alone currently so yeah that's a good shout out Joe glad you got the Stipe shout out in there <laughs> yeah like I say I do try I do try and I've only, I've only got one more left on my list Matthew okay and this one again this one might be, might be in slightly in the wrong category uh, I'll put it in best fights and it's mainly for one man, and that is Brian T. City Ortega for his display against Korean Zombie on October the 18th. Now, this could quite possibly be like a best performance, if you will, something like that. But, you know, Korean Zombie was in that fight, and he helped to make it what it was as well. And, uh, you know, I remember doing the podcast about this fight and about how Ortega looked, and it was kind of probably one of the, the biggest moments really, in the USC this year to see someone come back after two years, a grappler come back and look like a striker. It was just fantastic. And that set up a, that set up a title fight in that division as well. So I'm going to throw this one in here. Like I say, I don't know what you think. Maybe not best fight, but Ortega against Korean Zombie was certainly Summit. It was Summit indeed. You could, you could put it under a multitude of things. Best performance, even best comeback of yep. the year. Because he was away for... Most improved of the season. Most improved player. <laughs> the wooden spoon, that yeah. is. But, yeah, he's, uh, I'd put, probably put it under more the comeback category because he was bit, gone away for what seems like two years rather yeah. than one year. I can't remember. It was a long old time. And that's and we completely quashed any chance of him actually getting a, a sniff against Korean Zombie. <laughs> uh, he did more than a sniff. He, he's just snuff him out for five rounds and uh, he looked sensational in the process and featherweight has got a new contender and he's got a title shot hasn't he yes yeah yeah but no that's a good shout there's so much gone on that i've just forgotten so much yeah, that's mad isn't it I, I, I don't know if i'm like this every year i probably am but it just seems to be more amplified how much i've forgotten <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. I think they've crammed so many events in such a short space of time. And just on that, what was it 40 events we were saying that UFC have put on in a pandemic year? Obviously, only three of those months in the 12 were pre-COVID sort of shutdown. So yeah. that's quite phenomenal, isn't it, really? Considering when you think April or May, they didn't have any events or whatever. Yeah, I think there was about a two, two and a half month period with no cards whatsoever. So yeah, to fit 40 in it is pretty, pretty good going. I mean, there is there is so much that's gone on. You've got, I mean, Adesanya fought Romero this year. Yeah. Like that wasn't a great fight, but that kind of you look at how much he's done since then. It seems like a lifetime ago in in lots of ways. Romero's now left the UFC. Anderson Silva has left the UFC. Khabib has left the UFC. A bit of a magic, really. Yeah, I mean, I think some of the events they've put on have just been 
because they've had that little month, couple of months period where they didn't have anything going on, they've been able to stack some of them early pay-per-view cards. And I'm going through some of them. Uh, can I just run through a couple of events that I think have particularly stuck out to me? Obviously, that 249 one, that's the Gaethje Ferguson one, the first one back. You mentioned it yourself. That main card, it had obviously the interim lightweight title shot. Sudo Cruz and Garnu Rosenstrike, Qatar and Stevens, Pettis Cerrone, uh, Luke Nico Price. Bryce Mitchell was on the undercard, like the pre-pre-prelims. I remember staying up for that one. I was so pumped all week. I hadn't had my UFC for two and a half months, so I was bursting <laughs> at the seams when that was coming on. But I've, I just want to give this one a shout because I think it's gone under the radar a little bit as an event because of who was topping the bill. It was Amanda Nunes versus Felicia Spencer. Now, on the face of it, that's not blockbuster, is it? You think not oh, pretty routine for Amanda Nunes, which ultimately turned into like a sort of lopsided 5 0 decision win, which was a great performance and stuff. But the undercard, I remember at the time watching this the next day making a lot of noise on my own watching this, <laughs> just for pure excitement. It was the same event where you had all the, all the bantamweights on there. You had Sean O'Malley knocking out Eddie Wineland, yep. Aljamain Sterling choking out Corey Sanhagen, and for me, probably bar that Joaquin Buckley anomaly knockout, Cody Garbrandt KO of uh, Hafaiola Sunsao, I think, uh, probably my KO of the year. And I'm putting this as my event of the year because it was just phenomenal. I mean, as I forgot about most of the year, but this just takes me right back to watching this on that little Sunday morning in a coffee, making loads <laughs> of noise, just losing my shit. Coffee uh, flying it everywhere. A, it was, it was <laughs> burning my face. But the Garbrandt one just, that was mad. just depicted it perfectly. Last minute, swinging through the fences and then just landing on anything on the buzzer is always a great KO. And yeah. it's just added, you know, like a goal when it goes in off the bar. That's it. To that. Exactly. It just makes it a little bit better. So, yeah, just just looking back, it's, it's, some of the events have been unbelievable. That's just not to mention the Usman Masvidal one, where they had Peter Yan and Aldo on there and stuff yeah. like that. Just some phenomenal events, all on Fire Island. Unbelievable. <laughs> all right, Sorry, then. I went off a bit of a tangent nah, there. not a problem at all. That was that's that's best fights. That's all I've got. Like I say, we don't really want to, you know, pick a winner. But I think as we're discussing it there. I think between us, there probably is a winner, I guess, overall. And I think Figueredo Moreno, probably, you know, again, subjectively sitting here with poor memories. I haven't got all the fights, all the clips in front of me. But I think Figueredo Moreno, right up there. Yeah, I think it's no secret we love the flyweights. And our our love has been burgeoning over the last few months. And this just, (laughs) this was the moment. This is the moment, and it was just perfect fight for the division and perfect way to cap off the year. Fight of the year for me also. That's it. It's all on D-Fig. Please stay in that division for a little while longer at least. But All right then, so that's best fights out of the way. Some, some absolute stonkers in there. So what about best fighters then? Because, I mean, this is, this is, again, impossible really, isn't it? <coughs> impossible to, to pick people out, but... I've got some names. I've got some names. And not all, not all of them are obvious. I think what would be an obvious one? Kevin Holland would be very obvious, I would say. Yeah. And rightly five, so. Five obviously. and oh. Five and oh. You can't argue with that. And you could argue if he stayed four and oh, not being any ranked opponents, but then comes up, beats Jack Array with a, a knockout we've 
not mentioned yet, which was one of the most crazy knockouts of the year, yeah. if ever. <clears throat> Excuse me, over a seasoned vet like Jack Ray, he has to be up there, and he's rightly up there, and and picked up this award across the board. But we we want to look at probably those who have probably been a bit overlooked a little bit. I think. I think so. Because it's, it's it's easy to be done. I think a lot of people can jump on what they see on different media outlets. Uh, they've given him fight of the year. We'll, we'll give him fight of the year as well, rather than actually delving deeper into it and, and giving it to perhaps someone who's just as, if not more so, deserving. I've also seen, like, he's had a great year, obviously. He's just had two fantastic wins against the best, remained undefeated and champion. But Adesanya getting fighter of the year across some outlets, I, I was not necessarily on board with that. You, got, you mentioned it earlier, the Romero fight of being 50% of those fights was a complete dud, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which people seem to forget as well. I don't know. Where do you stand on that, Joe? Yeah, personally, I, I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't have picked Adesanya. I think it's, I think it's difficult in terms of like, what are you looking for? Because if you take Kevin Holland, for example, he's gone 5-0 and at like in a, in, a, in a year like this, such a truncated, tough year. He's managed to Go five and zero, but then he'd say, "Well, he's not. He's you know, he's not fought anyone for the for the title or anything like that." So you're like, "Okay, well, perhaps you're not looking for that type of thing." So then you look to Adesanya, but I mean, what was it? A win over Romero and a win over what's his Costa. shots? Costa, yeah, it's it's okay. I mean, the uh, I mean, I don't want to discredit him too. A win over Romero, no matter the um, style, if you like, it's decent. You ca- you can't deny that. And the way he demolished, um, what's his name again? Costa. Costa. <laughs> you make out like Yeah. Know. But the way. <laughs> so the way he beat him was uh, impressive, wasn't it? You, you can't knock that. But I've got some names here. I mean, Jan Blakovic, two wins himself. Gets a title in one of those in 2020. Uh, Figueredo, four fights in 2020. Two wins over Benavidez, devastating. A win over Perez, devastating. And then fight of the year against Brandon Moreno at the end of the year, coming out in a draw. Difficult to look past that for me, if I'm if I'm, if I'm being honest. I mean, then you've, you've also got some other names, like Charles Oliveira. He's obviously had a, a fantastic year as well. Again, he hasn't won a title. He's not defended the belt like, like Adesanya has. But he beat Kevin Lee back in March. And then he, he smashes smashes Tony Ferguson at the end of the year as well. So, you know, just as many wins. That 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 was that was a big shout for me. Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns has had a decent year as well, despite I mean, when you think of Gilbert Burns, you look at it and you're like, Well, he's had fights and they've all fallen out. Like you, you kind of don't realise that he's got some decent wins this year, but if you look at his record, twenty twenty two wins, TKO Damian Meyer. Back in March again. Very rarely do you ever see that happen. You haven't seen that for a while. And then um, beat Tyron Woodley. Unanimous decision and was on for a title shot. And it's kind of circumstances that got in the way for Gilbert Burns a little bit. So there's plenty of other names in there as well. Yeah, Gilbert Burns is one of those who was on track to be fighter of the year. Then it sort of went a bit tits up post-summer, didn't it? Like, yeah. Obviously, fights falling out left and right. But you, you certainly see a huge year for him next year, didn't you? Just come out of nowhere at the beginning of this year, took the opportunities with both hands. Obviously, 
Edwards, poor old Edwards fell out of that Woodley fight and, and Gilbert Burns took the opportunity. So, but yeah, hopefully he'll be back. But you forget about these fighters, didn't you? Like pre-summer and stuff like that, who were smashing it. You look at someone who won last month, no, last week or so. Martin Tybura, he's 4-0 and this year. Yeah, yeah. He's 4-0 and this year. Beat uh, Ben Rothwell, beat Greg Hardy. Doesn't get a mention at all. Doesn't get one... <laughs> one yeah, lick of paint on the newspaper. <laughs> so he just gets completely overlooked. You feel like some of these quieter fighters who don't sort of go shouting and hollering or the UFC don't particularly want to push, don't get a look in edgeways, really. Neil Magny, 3-0, beats Robbie Lawler. Uh, that other fella, Rocco Martin as well. I think there was someone else. Mackenzie Dern, 3-0 from her return. Yeah, I have Mackenzie Dern in there. Fighters, yeah. A lot of these fighters just going completely under the radar. Obviously, everyone's jumping towards Kevin Holland, Chimiev, all these fighters that are probably social media friendly. Hmm. Probably fair to say a lot of people get on board, which is fine. It's always been the case, but it's nice to see someone get someone else get a bit of get a bit of airtime, like the Thai Burras. Yeah, yeah, a bit of clout, a bit of clout in there. <laughs> uh, yeah, Neil Magny as well. Like poor old Neil Magny always gets overlooked, and he's had a cracking year, and he's looked brilliant at the same time yeah he looks like he's come back stronger than ever so yeah i'm interested to see how all these fighters do next year with regards joseph to fire of the year though mm. i mean you talk about adesanya i mean who did he beat last um it's quite a difficult one to pronounce i think <laughs> cost costa something something like yeah, that yeah. something like that for me <laughs> Not far out of the year. Fantastic year, but not far out of the year. I hate to sound like a broken record, but I think B-Fig should take it again. He uh, should double up on his uh, trophies we got to send to him. I agree. I agree. He's completely transformed the division on his own. Dispatched to Benavidez, no problems. Twice. Next contender, no problem. Next contender, you know, it's a draw. So, all right, it was a little bit more of a problem here at that time, but still ends the year as the champ. We've, we've only great things to come. So I think for me, I would go with Figueredo. Purely it's four title fights. Isn't yes, that, that's a lot. Title, title fights. fights. Title fights. I think is the, the the difference maker there, because otherwise, difficult, in my opinion, not to give it to Kevin Holland. It's the toss up between them two. Jimmy F is more of a breakout fight yes, for me. I think so. Rather than, I mean. Obviously, we love those. Some of them fighters. Sorry to interrupt, but I think the best person Jimmy F got to. And of course, he could have got a fight in another one against Leon Edwards by now, and it, circumstances just didn't go his way. But Gerald Mearshart is probably your, your biggest name in there that he's beat, I would say. Uh, Kevin Holland just knocked out Jacare from his knees like, like two weeks ago. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah. All right. So that's the weird... <laughs> Sorry, I forgot where I was. Um, I was too busy trying to think of Costa's name. I think, yeah. So we're in agreement again. So it's a uh, a double for the flyweights. So flyweight as it stands, if, you, if you're counting or just joining us, I don't know why you'd join halfway through, but <laughs> uh, Figueredo Moreno was fight of the year unanimously. And it looks like it's also unanimous in the flyweight champion, Davison Figueredo D-Fig, a.k.a. D-Fig. It is. Has picked up fight of the year as well. What a year, eh? <laughs> the little lads. If four title defences weren't enough for him, then uh, he should be an Atlee Bunny now. Mustard ear of the year goes to Figueredo. 
what else have we got next? What do we want to look at now? Well, you mentioned favourite events, and you've you've gone through a couple there. And we don't need to get into it again. I don't know how many you've got noted down, but one, my favourite event of the year, again, quite low key this one, but and it's it is quite recent. But I've done a look, I've done my research, and I still think this is my best one, just purely because I remember the feeling sitting there watching it on a Sunday morning, afternoon, whatever it was, and I remember thinking. Like this is just mad. This is like one of the best best, best cars I've I've ever seen. And it was the Marvin Vittori versus Jack Hermanson card. You've got prelims, Illyria, Tapuria, smashing Damon Jackson, devastating KO. Lewis Smolker coming out of nowhere almost, beating Quinn Ones, TKO. Main card opens up, Jordan Leave it comes out, slams Matt Wyman, knocks him out. Then you've got Roman Delizzi against John Allen. Great fight in the light heavyweight division. Delizzi looks a great prospect. Then you've got Mowgli. Gabriel Benitez comes out. Knees to the body. Finishes that one. Then Jamal Hill comes out in a catchweight bout against Ovinson Prue. TKO's him in the second round, which I can't remember anyone ever doing at Ovinson Prue in recent times. And then Marvin Torrey comes out and, and dominates Jack Hermanson in the main event there to put himself right up there for title contention. So... Oh, I remember watching this one and it was just absolute flames, as the, <laughs> the kids say, Matthew. Absolute <laughs> flames from minute one. Uh, it was flames. It was <laughs> it was lit. It was flamey. And yeah, you, you look at it on the on the face of it. I remember thinking for this one, we probably previewed it with an absolute pinch of salt, yeah. barely even taking a second look at it. Name wise, you know, what I mean, yeah, you look at it yeah. now, even you're like, but. I, I'm throwing recency bias out the window, and obviously it happened like this month. But that aside, it was from start to finish for entertainment and just general quality of fight. I think it helps that we, as we mentioned before, that it's a shorter event, so you could sit yeah. through and watch them all in one. Eight fights from start to finish, everything delivered one way or another, and it was topped by a new entry into the the middleweight division from with a fantastic fight between Vittori and Hermanson. I, I, I would have be inclined to agree with you Joe it's just a fantastic event and it's nice to see some of these new names get some recognition and put their names out there on an event like this so rather than your big pay-per-views and all that they, hmm. they, this is one of the big events for me as well no definitely definitely all right this I think we've, we've, we've had some good fights in there haven't we? we've had some good moments but let's let's get a bit personal now Matthew and let's look at some of our personal highlights now you've got your list I've got my list it doesn't necessarily, you know, don't have to be a great performance. Just be whatever you enjoyed. Now I'm going to open it up, if you don't mind. One of my, one of my personal favourites. Now, back in February 29th of this year, Magomed Ankalaev took on Iwan Kutalaba. And that ended up in a, a TKO round one victory for Ankalaev. Uh, but obviously Kutalaba was playing possum in that one, wasn't he? He was fake staggering around on his feet, pretending to be hurt. And the ref said, oh, you look hurt. So he he jumped in and stopped it and, it and it backfired. And it took until October the 24th to get this one back on. And Ankalai just came out and absolutely put that rivalry to bed with a, with an outstanding display against an absolute savage in Iwan Kutalaba. So I think that whole little saga that played out throughout this year from February to October, it was on, it was off. And, you know, just, just all in all, that was, that was a great little storyline, I thought. Yeah, it rumbled on for a long old while, didn't it? And it did. I enjoyed it. I like Kutalaba. I think he's jokes. Yeah. Just yeah, his definitely. old setup, his, his, his shtick is brilliant. And, and Kalaev just 
stony face. Didn't care at all. Yeah. That's what you want to see, though. You want to see these larger-than-life lads who just are in there to fight. They're just warriors, and these two depict that perfectly. Uh, yes, good little South. It was just a nice little backdrop story to rumble on throughout the year, and it was nice to keep your eyes on. And eventually the book was closed, I believe, on UFC 254, I think, which leads me nicely into one of my highlights. Um, obviously, 254? Oh, hold on. It Go certainly was. It certainly was. <laughs> 254. You remember it, Joe? I do. Uh, BT uh, box office. Yeah. At a normal time, we were absolutely fully gassed for this one. We were fully <laughs> gassed. It's on at a normal time. I can't believe it. We were going. <laughs> I had my pizza ordered. Um, two five four. It was Gaethje and Khabib, of course. Of course. And it was a great event. I remember. Um, but it, it was all about the main event. We were so excited in the podcast leading up to it. We were so excited outside of the podcast. We were exchanging texts and messages. We were saying he's going to win. You were like, no, he's going to win. <laughs> Pure comedy. Yeah. Yeah, pure pants. But when it when the dust settled and it come down to just Khabib and Gaethje, you were sitting there thinking, "This is it, Gaethje might this might happen. He yeah. might actually do it. He yeah. might dethrone Khabib." You're watching history here. You're watching it live. None of this watching it the next day when everyone else knows the result. It's not the same when you're watching it live, is it? No. And then Khabib just puts on a almost faultless performance with one of the probably most confident triangles you've ever seen it's the sort of thing you would do in, in training rather than a world title fight against the number one contender you know a mounted yeah. triangle onto your back like yeah that's, and then, that's fine bang and he's out and then not only that but for me the personal i don't know if it's a highlight but it's something that got to me the most was the just the celebration and the outpouring of emotion from khabib in the middle of that cage just watching it it was just it was hard not to have a little tear in your eye for that. And that, for me, I think is probably the standout moment because obviously we know what he's gone through. He lost his father earlier in the year. In this fight, he was almost doing it uh, in his honour. Yeah, yeah, that was emotional. And it was very emotional and he just broke down. And the class shown between the both of them after as well was, was excellent to see. And obviously he subsequently retired. We don't know if he's going to, but that whole moment, it just capped off just a fantastic evening of fights and uh, for me was probably one of the the greatest moments uh, in the sports history let alone the year it was just excellent to yeah. see one of the one of the very best that's true i just feel like it's going to be difficult for me to follow that with any of my shouts now that that's the only thing <laughs> i feel like you just kind of destroyed the rest of my list there with with that moment oh i'm sorry <laughs> we we can we can Sort of do a bit of cutting and editing, yeah. you know. <laughs> Put it in at the end. No, I agree. I agree. That, that was iconic. It was iconic. But, like I say, this is a little bit of a come down. But <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll try and hype it up as much as I can. So, this was a heavyweight bout, right? And the, the, the fight itself wasn't necessarily all that. But cast your mind back. And can you remember how excited you were when a mustard MMA, a long-time mustard MMA favourite, Jairzinho, Rosenstrike was about to face up against Francis and Garnu. That was just that you know that was that was heavyweight fighting in general. You know boxing, whatever. That was heavyweight 
biggest the biggest men on the planet going at each other and I was just absolutely buzzing for that. As it was, it wasn't, you know, the longest, most back and forth fight in the world, but it certainly did a lot to cement Francis's kind of aura, like his his speciality really. And that was just 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 the build up to that one and the pondering and, and wondering what was going to happen was, was pretty exciting in itself. Yeah, that all ties into that that first event back, doesn't it? That was that two four nine one. Yes. What what that you could sense the edge of your seat, scared stiff silence in that arena at the time. Obviously, yeah. there was no fans. You got two of the biggest lads in the world <laughs> yeah. in a tiny cage, and in the words of Chow Sonnen, you could hear a rat piss on cotton. <laughs> right now, I think. Because you you could tell that it's just you, they knew something was happening and it was happening quick. I think if, having said that, I think I predicted a fifteen minutes snooze because <laughs> it always it always happens when I get excited. But this one delivered, Joe. It was a fantastic one. Someone was going out and they were both swinging, weren't they? And Big Frank landed. Yeah, and that was song. a great great. And like you say, it just added to his aura. And hopefully, he gets a shot soon. The geezer. Uh, a couple of other big lads. This one, this was just a good moment again. And we spoke about Glover Teixeira. Done fantastic things this year. It's kind of started or peaked, if you like, with a win over Anthony Smith. And the moment where Anthony Smith's teeth fell out mid-fight and Glover starts saying, sorry, I've got to do it. You know, this is, this is business kind of thing or, or, or whatever he said. I can't remember the exact words, but very touching moment. And Anthony Smith was like, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I know my teeth are over there, but don't worry about it. And... It's just a great moment, you know, two, two, two warriors, and it just kind of epitomises what that life must be like, really. Yeah, uh, what a year for him. I mean, you talk about old lads. He is probably the oldest of the, <laughs> of the bunch. He's the uh, the elder statesman. Yeah. Head of, head of department. <laughs> yeah. He's a legend. And we kind of already forgotten if we bypassed him for uh, an option as far as a year, because if we, if we did, we certainly shouldn't have done, because he, he is well up there. And if not, for, certainly for comeback of the year as well. That moment in particular, that was just pure, pure lads. The yeah. pair of them, just <laughs> like the one. Smith knows what Glover wants, and because it's what he wants as well, and they yeah. know they have to get it by any means necessary. And that was just, just part of the journey. Um, love both guys, both fantastic fighters, both but fantastic personalities. So pleased with Glover. Hopefully, he does get another shot. You feel like he might get shafted a little bit, though, isn't it? What with this Adesanya stuff, but who knows? In this crazy world, we're living. Yeah, uh, to be honest, I would be inclined to think you're right there. To be honest, uh, I don't know how many more times I want to say. To be honest, but I th- yeah, I think you're probably right there. He may may well get shafted because you know, even more so after that, he went out and and he rear naked choked Tiago Santos in in, this, in uh, round three, <laughs> which which is just madness as well. So two two personal favourites for me, obviously Glover. Uh, just uh you know, just the epitome of what what you would want really. So great year for him. Yeah, well, I was looking at actually could he be in the best fighters list? He's only fought twice, he's fought twice and won twice, so could well be up there, but you know feels feels like more, doesn't it? It does feel like more. September twenty nineteen he beat he, I mean he's he's won five fights in a row. He's beat Carl Roberson, he won Kuchilaba, Nikita Krilov, Anthony Smith, Tiago Santos since Jan twenty nineteen. So, I mean, pretty good bad, going, pretty good going, yeah. So, Not bad for an old man, eh? Definitely. So, on that same ilk, well, not really. In fact, it's completely different. <laughs> nice. But more so, like, 
win at any cost, fighters mentality sort of thing. And I'm going to go for Paul Felder stepping in against Islam Makachev against yeah. RDA. In short, I think it was, he was flying over there to be a, a commentator on the event. Makachev gets pulled. I think it was COVID. I can't remember. Probably. Probably, and then, yeah. And then Felder's like, you know what? I'll have some of that. Nice little payday. I'm meant to be retired, but who cares? I've just got to lose about £25 <laughs> of weight in about two yeah. days. Let's go and fight one of the best ever in a 25-minute war. And that's what he did. One of the judges bizarrely gave him the decision, but it was that's not part of it. It's the fact that he went 25 minutes, made the weight perfectly, looked good. Yes, he got comprehensively. Comprehensively sounds bad, but he he, he lost. Yeah. There was no argument yeah, about definitely. it. But he stood in there for 25 minutes. I mean, he could have easily said, like, let's knock this down to 15, please. Come on, I'm doing you a favour. But no, loses the commentary gig, fights uh, RDA for 25 minutes. Absolute war. His stock went up. His stock went up, even though he lost. And that's yeah, when you know performance good. And I think they just showed utter balls from the man. And I love him even more than I did before. <laughs> I'm sure you feel the same. I do, yeah, I do. I've got a couple of... Um... KOs, I mean, you've already mentioned, I'll put this in my personal favourite, Garbrandt against Essen Sal. Great moment that was. Sandhagen, TKO'ing Marlon Marais with a with uh, spinning wheel kick, wasn't it? I think there. That was back in October, not even that long ago, really. So, an outstanding KO there. Another one I like, TKO. Given what we spoke about last episode, the last couple of episodes with your man, Jose Aldo, and, and how kind of, you know, irrepressible he looks, if you like. He's, he's always there and thereabouts. Peter Yan TKO'd him in the fifth round, which is uh, simply outstanding, I think. Yeah, just just so many, so many moments throughout the year, and it? it's been a, a vintage year, really. I mean, yeah, I, I, I can't add any more, Joe. No, I can't I, add that's fine, that's out. fine. I mean, it, it, we talk about vintage year. It hasn't particularly been a vintage year for British fighters, I would say, if I could, if I could be so bold. Uh, you know, Darren Till... Little bit up and down, uh, Molly McCann. Little bit up and down, Nathaniel Wood. Obviously, had a, a couple of losses there as well. Not the best year, but a, a couple of people who have had very good years. And this is a man. First up, Darren Stewart. I picked out one of my favourite moments when he guillotined Mackie Pitolo in the first round back in August. Just just for the fact that it showed us something different about Darren Stewart. Obviously, he's the dentist usually trying to rearrange your teeth. In this one, he, he got a nice little submission, but that was a that was a great one. And like you've mentioned many times, Darren Stewart got very unlucky in a, a decision loss, a split decision loss against Kevin Holland. So Darren Stewart could well be right up there right now. And I, I to be honest, I, I I fancy him next year. I think he'll have a big year. That was a good moment for a Brit. Another one, an old favourite of ours here at Mustard MMA, Paul Craig. He's on an absolute tear now. He's put himself right in the mix at light heavyweight. He's going to have some massive fights coming up next year. He beat Shogun Hua, round two, TKO. That was fantastic. And a man, he didn't fight that often, but he made his uh, he made his return. He's just had another fight announced, I believe. But big Tommy Breeze coming out and TKO in KB Bullard in round one. Obviously not the, the biggest of names, is he, Bullard? But Tom Breeze just looked absolutely fantastic. He looked lethal in that one. And hopefully, you know, only good things to come for him if he can keep himself fit as well. Yeah, some like you say, it has been up and down, but it's good to see some some having a little bit of success as well. There's others there, like Lerone Murphy. I think he got one big win against Ricardo Ramos, sort of in the middle of the year. Uh, bit of an underdog in that one, so that was good to see him. We yep. haven't seen him since, but I'm hoping 
for a, for a bigger year next year for the Brits. I think it will happen. Well, another one, I think actually. It's coming along. Tom, on, Tom, Tom Aspinall looks good as well. Tom Aspinall. He does. He does. And a very good prospect indeed. There's plenty of talent there. I just, this needs to put a little bit of a run together. Like we said with Tom Brees, it's just been a bit inconsistent. Injuries probably don't help. If he could put that behind him, he'll be have a big year. It's like Arnold Allen as well. He's, I don't think he's even fought this year. Lots of fights have fallen yeah. out from him. He's probably at this current juncture. Would you say Britain's best chance of a title next, or is that still sitting with Darren Till? Do you think in a minute? This is probably more for next week's show for the year incoming, but I'm throwing it out there as soon as we're on the old Brits. Yeah, it's tough. I, I always, I always like Darren Till. I always fancy that he can, he can do it, but. Seeing as he's got there and had a couple of losses, mm. perhaps you can say that at the moment, what's his name? Arnold, Arnold Allen. Allen. <laughs> uh, perhaps, <Costa>. <laughs> you can say at the moment, Arnold Allen, yeah, you know, undefeated. I'm pretty sure he's undefeated still in the UFC at least. Beat some good people and he looks, you know, he hasn't really been troubled as yet. So I think you probably say Arnold Allen is the um, closest to a title at the moment. But Darren Till, always there. He just fights monsters every time he fights. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Paul Craig really is not far away. He probably say he's a little bit more unfancied, but he's put in more groundwork than a lot of the Brits. And he's, you know, earned his way up into those rankings. So difficult with that division at the moment. With the news we mentioned earlier on, is there going to be a title shot in that light heavyweight division anytime soon? Maybe not, but Paul Craig is right up there. Uh, and then, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I would say Arnold Allen's probably uh, the closest. Yeah, so we've got, I think, it's a, I think it's a three-way between uh little menage a trois, between Arnold Allen, Till, and obviously Edwards, if Edwards can finally get uh, that yeah, fight. Yeah, of course, forgot about Edwards, yeah. Yeah, I, I did forget as as you were talking, I thought <laughs> right now then. Yeah, but um, sure. also, also, as you were talking, we'd be remiss to forget what a great year Corey McKenna's had making a, of course. Getting two wins, one on the Contender Series and then obviously in the, the full-on UFC. She got her win as well. Yeah. Youngest ever. I think it might have been youngest ever winner or something like current that. youngest yeah. on the roster or something like that. So what, what a year for her, do you know what I mean? As mm. a 20-year-old, 21-year-old, whether she may be. So things are looking up there next year. So I think the signs are good for the UK MMA scene in 2021. Definitely. So I think, I think I think we can wrap that one up there, Matthew. It's um, you know, it's been emotional, like you say. It has been a, an emotional year. There's been some emotional moments in the ring. Obviously, that that could be the retirement, like you say. We, you know, you, we should could have left it till last, but that that was outstanding. I think that could be just 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 for everything. You could you could make a film out of that, really, couldn't you? That last could be fight with, with the year, the couple of years he had. So yeah, I mean, very well done to all the UFC. Very well done to you, Matthew, for you making your picks there. I liked it a lot. And yeah, well, well done to you too. Thank well you. Done to you. I'm just some excellent ones. I'm just looking forward to next year now. Like you say, we're opening up with some absolute bangers in the UFC. And next week, we'll probably have a little look. We'll maybe have a think about, you know, some bold predictions. We'll try and make some rather bold predictions for the upcoming year. But yeah, 2020, it's been a good one. Yes, it's been a vintage year in terms of actual emergence of whether it be divisions or fighters themselves. Obviously, we've seen a lot of fighters retire. So it seems to be like the, the torch is being handed over in many ways. Obviously, you've got Romero's and your Silver's going, uh, paving away for your Chimiev's and Holland's and stuff like that. So it, it does seem like a transitional year, but the fights have been amazing. The UFC have been incredible putting these events on before anyone had even thought about putting them on back yeah, in May. Yeah. 
Uh, everyone was too almost worried what people would think of them, but Dana White does what Dana White does, and he wants to put on fights and pay his pay his staff, you know. So and entertain fans, and we 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 were entertained because of it. So and got us through a tough time, and tough time that's still not over. But I'm sure the UFC will give us some escapism in the meantime. So well done to them and to you, Joe. Obviously. <laughs> All right, and that is the end of the show then. Like we say, a fantastic year. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope you do enjoy the rest of this little in-between Christmas and New Year's week that we all struggle with. No one really knows what day it is or, or what time it is. And I think COVID, it's been that type of year anyway, and I can barely, you know, I don't, I don't know what's going on, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> 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 but, <laughs> but... Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Check us out on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Mustard MMA, The Mustard MMA. We've got a website I'm running. It's mustardmma.com. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Leave five stars. Leave a comment. Get involved. All that stuff. You've got nothing else going on until the new year. And we'll probably be in tier eight come January, so you're going to have not a lot going on anyway. So get involved. We'd, we'd love to hear it. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Check out our socials, like we say, and we'll be back next week for a look at 2021. Letters. Letters.